Okay, we're rolling. Episode 3 of the NLPT Podcast. My name is Eric Hageman. And my name is Andrew Hoff. Andrew, how are you this week? I'm good. I'm good. good. It was a, uh, I think for... Hold up, stop. Okay. I just remembered... We're not. We're new to podcasting, so we should probably explain what the NLPT podcast is about, right? And then we'll get into stuff. Okay. Okay. So, in case uh, this is your first time listening in, and you're wondering what the 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 heck we're doing here, um, this is a podcast. Goes without saying, this is going out to mainly our athletes, uh, the kids in, enrolled in our high performance training program this summer. Um, it is uh, based on observations and things that we see throughout the week, comments that we have that we think uh, athletes can benefit from. Um, yeah, anything else? No, it's an opportunity to reflect and it's an opportunity yeah. for us as coaches to um, hash out things we saw and hopefully beyond our athletes, it provides value to anybody who is looking to train and improve their training experience and perhaps also coaches that are out there who you know may find themselves in similar situations that we we may provide some sort of insight to or or help you out in some capacity. Yeah, uh, basically we're just trying to develop and uh, give our athletes some deeper insight into the whys behind the training program and and understand some of the principles that we don't always get a chance to encounter in the gym because uh, it's busy. We're training, we're lifting, we're we're picking stuff up. People are in, they're out. We don't always get a chance to just sit down and talk training on a deeper level so this is that opportunity all right now that we've done that how are you i'm good how are you i'm good <laughs> it's it's friday yes everybody's excited it was a long a long short week it was a long short week yeah yeah, yeah. it was it was busy here we were we were bumping with the hp program so it was uh it was a lot of fun how was the university of waterloo it was good you know what when you're dealing with University students after long weekends, it's always a uh, interesting conversation for sure. But why? Why is that? I, I don't know. I think uh, they, they like to Come not on, study. Everybody, and hears, they, everybody I, hears it. They get it. They get it. And they, they go out and have some fun. So as we did when we were in university, but uh, they what, what really stood out as kind of a cultural identity thing is they rebounded well. They showed mm-hmm. up. They showed up on time. Um, even though there was a lot of uh, hurting athletes, and uh, not not from a joint pain or muscle pain, uh, just from exhaustion from the weekend, they kind of put that aside and <clears> got <throat> to work. So I was really really proud of what they did. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a real thing, and that doesn't get talked about enough. I think when it comes to you know in training and coaching, is that's something that strength coaches have to deal with. Uh, yeah. We're dealing with real people with real lives with. Uh, real issues. Um, people have social lives. They have other priorities beyond just training and making it to the next level. Uh, as much as we like to think that we're dealing with a bunch of robots that are yeah. just 100% programmed, ready to go, that's just not the case. Um, yeah. People like to have fun and sometimes that fun can get in the way of training. But And that's not necessarily always a bad thing. It's just it's, it's another thing that we have to deal with and, yeah. and address. Uh, the thing I always appreciate as a coach is when an athlete is honest with me. Right. You know, if they come in Monday morning and they're like, okay, yeah, we went out Sunday night. I feel terrible. It would be really easy for me to just come down on that person and say, you know, question their motivation or question their work ethic or desire or anything like that. But it's, again, this is the real world and, and this is a relationship business. And I'm kind of invested in the long-term potential of working with an athlete and to, 
you know, if you create the type of environment where you're now judging that person or they're walking in the next week saying, okay, well, I better not open my mouth and be honest about what happened over the weekend. Now we're not in a good position to provide good coaching because now there's a secrecy between us and there's, there's a gap. So I love it when, when athletes are honest and I can just say, okay, then this is what you're doing today. And and we can adjust the, the workout accordingly and uh, well, we'll just take it from there. And, and that's an opportunity to educate and talk and have an open dialogue. And, you know, hopefully that next weekend that that doesn't happen again or they, they have some perspective. But I think the honesty and the communication parts vital. You said it in terms of relationship building. And this is what it all comes down to, I think, as coaches working with athletes is that we are trying to build a relationship. We're trying to build trust. And we understand that as OHL, NCAA, collegiate, professional athletes. Oh, is that Chanel? Chanel um, joined. <laughs> hey, babe. You're gonna, they are going to have fun. We get that. Yeah. And the, the closer relationship we can have and the more discussion we can have about the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and balancing the costs that come with um, having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it does come time to say we got to put the brakes on Mm -hmm. there may be more trust and they may be more willing to buy into you as a coach or us as a coach yeah so that uh you know we're on we're on their side exactly we're we're here for them and we have to be you know cognizant but you're right that takes time that it takes time to develop that that trust and that relationship it just it's not an automatic thing um and that that's a big thing that i try to get through especially to the younger athletes here we're very much used to a top-down relationship when it comes to adult instruction, whether it's from teachers or other coaches in their lives. It's it it's this uh, mentality of okay, I have to show up, sit there, listen to what this dude's telling me, go do it, and then I get to leave. Instead of, well, maybe I have a say, maybe I have something I need to share or something that that person is actually interested in in hearing from me. You know, that's what that's what I try to tell young athletes is talk to me. How are you feeling? Like, what's your opinion of this? Uh, you know, what's going on inside your mind? And for a lot of the, a lot of them, I can tell that's that's kind of the first time that they're encountering that type of attitude from an authoritative figure in their life. So, anyway, yeah. Long story short, it's a relationship. Uh, it's a relationship business, and you got to build that trust. So, and it was a good week. It was a good week. I think that's where it all started, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and look, yeah, and that's where it ended up. Um, cool. And you know what? It's it's a good segue into what we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah, it is actually. So, um, what I wanted to touch on uh, from the uh, from the HP kind of review week three, we just finished up. Um, we haven't really got into retesting yet. Obviously, that's going to come a couple weeks later. But so, in a way, this isn't really super directly related to something that happened with the high performance program. But it is something that happened with an athlete this week that I wanted to share and that really. It's something that has come up a lot in the past, and it's difficult for a lot of athletes, uh, parents, to understand. And this is on the topic of testing. So we're we're reassessing, we're testing numbers again. Uh, For anybody that trains here, they're familiar with our system. Every eight weeks, we reassess, no matter how often you've been in, where you are in your program. uh, We just keep that regular testing interval the same. We our approach to testing is to keep things simple, very basic, uh, very repeatable, and with a uh, choosing tests and you know, assessment performance 
numbers that we feel are um, valid and that are important and that we can really track over the long term. So we have simple stuff like a vertical jump. We have a broad jump. We do a 15-yard dash. Uh, we test chin-up strength. Uh, simple stuff that you know we feel that uh, any athlete of any age can do. So the, the idea is this uh, is this misguided notion that every time you test, uh, things are going to go up. And if they didn't go up, if they went down, that means you got worse. And in theory, I understand that. That's logical, correct? Um, that's, after all, why we're doing this. So we want to get better at things. And so if the test reveals a poorer score, then it must mean that we got worse, right? Um, but you would think you would think, however, the analogy I like to use a lot with, with athletes is that eight weeks is still not a lot of time. It's, it's not a huge amount of time to assess real growth. And so sometimes it's, things can actually go down, especially if an athlete is already testing at a very high level. So with novice new athletes, I sort of expect things to go up every eight weeks in terms of those those tests, and that's very, very common. But the issue that came up this week was we had a kid who is basically testing in the 98th percentile for his age group with all of these tests, uh, very, very capable athlete, very strong, very fast. Um, I think he's yeah, 16-year-old kid. Um, but he actually went down on a couple numbers, and he's been training consistently. Uh, but the the story is, number one, in how much he went down. All right, there's there's a natural variation with with testing uh, that that needs to be accounted for. So, for example, he was running a, a 15 yard dash in you know, 2.37 seconds eight weeks ago, and he tested at 2.4. So there's a 0. 0.03 difference in his actual numbers there, and the response was, "Oh my God, what happened? Like I did all this training, shouldn't I go up?" But again, he was testing at a really high level for his age group, and at that at that level and also with that particular test there's not a lot of room for improvement like honestly if i see a point one improvement points one second improvement on that i'm doing backflips because that's that's just an unbelievable margin of improvement for that particular test so we've always got this natural variation there that's going to happen and besides that there are a lot of things that can go into why someone might perform well or why someone might perform poorly that have nothing to do with that athlete's level of fitness. So this is where the topic of fitness versus fatigue really comes in. Um, If you are not rested, if you are not hydrated properly, if you have stress from school, if, I don't know, there's some other lifestyle factor. Yeah, exactly. Your body weight changes. So, so that's another thing that we look at. Yeah, you add, you know, three or four pounds of of mass to your frame. That's going to change your mechanics. It's going to change your leverages. It's going to change the amount of power you need to produce to get down that that turf. Uh, Because again, 15 yards is not a very long distance. It's very, very short. And that will affect those things. So there's a story in there that that needs to be looked at at a deeper level. Um, but the message that I wanted to really get through to people is you can have a bad day and test a little bit under what you've done in the past, um, but you can't just have a random good day and test super well. That's not a, that's not a random uh, aberration from the real story. So if, if that athlete got better and got more fit to run a 2.27 sprint, 
that's a sign of fitness. That, that doesn't happen because he had an extra bowl of Wheaties that morning. There's no tricks or hacks or um, random outside influences that are responsible for an abnormally good test. That's a demonstration of capability. That's a demonstration of true growth and of an increase in performance. Um, so we have this increase in fitness, which we happen to hit on a good day. But by good day, we mean the absence of bad stuff interfering with that athlete's level of fitness. Does that make sense? Beautifully said. Oh, like it, it is. Like it's, and it's it's sometimes very hard to articulate to an athlete what that really means. Mm-hmm. Is is the absence of uh, detrimental variables, right? Um, and, and those are things that, as coaches, we we don't have control over a lot of the times, right? Because we we aren't with the athletes, and that's where, as athletes, as people, this is your responsibility to to do it to mm-hmm. make sure you do get your sleep, make sure you do rest, so that on testing days, and I think that the word test, um, you know, can mean whether it's testing here in the gym on the ice, uh, in a game exam, like those are all just instances of evaluation. Yeah. So even just because you have a bad test or bad game, you know, it doesn't mean that you've necessarily regressed. It just may mean that that day there was variables in place that prevented you from being your best. Yeah, exactly. Also keep in mind with with the tests that we do on a regular basis, a lot of them are very speed dominated. So vertical jump, broad jump, uh, and a 15-yard dash all require a high amount of speed. And if you're tired, that typically shows up on speed first. That's We do a vertical jump at the beginning of every training session with our performance program because not to really assess improvement, but really to assess fatigue. And we see variation on a day-to-day level within a couple inches. Uh, Guys are tired. They didn't sleep well. The vertical jump is down an inch and a half from the day before. And again, this is still coming up. It's like, oh man, they're, they're, they're bummed out. And I'm like, no, you didn't, you can't detrain that much in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. That's a sign of either under recovery or uh, too much stress going on somewhere else in your life, and this is just where it showed up. Because um, again, this is, a, this is a, those are speed dominant tests, and that's where that's where it's going to show up. But uh, with testing too, it's also very important to look at the variance. So, you know, if I see a kid with a 95 inch broad jump, and eight weeks later we're testing at 90, that's that's big. That's a large large drop in performance. And now I'm now I'm thinking, what's going on? What's responsible for this? Because that's not right. If I see a 94 or you know a 93.5, I'm going, okay, let's look at the other tests. Let's look at body weight. Let's ask some questions. Maybe it was just didn't have it that day on that particular thing. Let's try it tomorrow. Let's see where we are in eight weeks. Sometimes things bounce right back up. It's very, very common. Um, again, especially with guys that are already testing at a very high level because the more you improve, the less, you know, the, the lower the less capacity I guess there is to keep improving. Right. It's when you're a novice, that's when that potential is super high. And that's why I think people are, you know, assuming every time they test, they'll get better because that's what happened when they first started training. You know, they, they went from basically nothing to, you know, okay. in a, in a very short amount of time. I know this conversation is strongly directed towards our, our athlete population, but I do think there's a message here for, 
the coaching population who are working with athletes, mm-hmm. whether it be at a you know 13, 15, OHL, junior, youth sport level, mm-hmm. because there's a tendency across all sports to, to look at these numbers and say, if you're not going up, you're doing something wrong. Right. But what we're saying today is that might not necessarily be the case. And I think part of our jobs as, as shepherds of the way, if you will, you know, sh- showing our showing our sheep which way to go is to say that that, that isn't necessarily, you know, you're doing something wrong. Right. But having a greater understanding of, of the variance and how, how that's all going to play into the athlete's performance and their mindset too. And, but also keeping in mind and leaving room for the possibility that maybe you are doing something wrong. Yes. Cause that does happen too. We, I've, we get guys coming back after not training for four months and everything's lower. They weren't training. They got worse. So the, this drop in performance, it's no longer a random occurrence. It's, it's an actual real thing. I've seen broad jumps jump simply because we stopped training the broad jump. We stopped training that horizontal power component in their program, and that went down. And that's a signal of, okay, there's a gap missing in their program. So sometimes it's random. Sometimes it's because you didn't have a good breakfast. But also maybe it's because you actually aren't setting up your training properly. You're not... Um, putting in the effort required, or there's there's a there's a flaw in your approach. So leaving space for that conversation to exist as well, and not just uh, saying, oh, well, bad day, don't worry about it when things go well, or sorry, when things go poorly, but then when things go well, say, great, you're doing well, I'm doing well, and everybody gives themselves a pat on the back. So I think when you get better, it's because you got better. When you got worse, it could be because you're not doing something well. It could be because you actually are, but we haven't had either time for those performance gains to realize themselves or there's some other stress or fatigue element going on that's masking your ability to perform so i like take homes as an athlete you know they're listening to this or a coach is listening to this what are some take homes that you know we're going to say to to help you know prevent or mitigate the risk against those performance detriments what are some big things that we can tell our athletes and coaches say hey do this all right. Well, first one is to take note of when you're testing. If you're coming in and testing at 8 a.m. on a Friday um, versus 4 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon after a test, um, make a note of that uh, because that'll affect it. Time of day, uh, your nutrition status going up to that, you know, lifestyle stress stuff. I think is very important. So you want to try to eliminate the confounding variables in your test environment in in your situation. So noting time of day, noting what you had to eat, noting how you feel, those sorts of things. You want things to be as consistent as possible so that uh, the only real change that is being measured there is your change in performance. That would be, I guess, the first thing that comes to my mind. I'm thinking sleep too. Like I was listening yeah, to a, another podcast the other day and you know, we're talking about speed, we're ter- talking about um, the, your, your nervous system's ability to... Um, produce action potentials and recruit fibers at the rate that they need to sleep is actually one of the biggest um components for recovery yeah that's when you know uh acetylcholine gets back in the glial cells i believe if i go way back but and that's going to be responsible for that that massive flux of um 
potential and <laughs> I got to go back to my uh, neurophysiology, but um, that's really when things recover. Yeah. So, and it's not just the, the quantity of sleep, but your quality of sleep. Yeah. So making sure you turn off phones, making sure you're not having sugary or caffeinated drinks before you go to bed, um, making sure that you are in a dark room. Um, you're, you're doing diaphragmatic breathing before you sleep as a way to kind of calm your body down. Yeah. Um, th- those are very important things that I think in particular today's society is going to struggle with mm-hmm. because we know damn well if we post something on Instagram at 1030 at night when kids got to be up at 630 in the morning, yeah, like we're getting likes <laughs> yeah. all the time. Like, so it's, it's massively important that today's athlete understand these um, social factors that could potentially limit their performance yeah. and, and limit their performance in a way that it causes detriments, uh, detrimental factors that will influence the performance. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes okay. Sense. A couple other things to add to this and then we'll, we'll wrap this baby up. Um, warm up properly. I know it sounds kind of typical and boring advice, but it's, it's important. Um, you need to prepare your body for what you're about to put it under. There's a, there's an assumption there that if you're able to do it, you're always ready to go and you can just walk in and perform that, that vertical jump, just like you always have that that's always available to access, but we're dealing with high speed movements, which is highly dependent on central nervous system drive, which needs to get warmed up. It's not just get your, you know, get a stretch, get, five minutes on the bike and, and get ready to go, but rehe- rehearse those movement patterns, um, teach your body to move quickly. And everybody knows that feeling when they're on, when they're fresh, when they're just, the, the pistons are firing. Um, that takes a little bit of time to get, to get, you know, worked up to. So I would say, make sure whatever your routine is to warm up, you know, if you're training with us, obviously you have a, a warm-up routine. You shouldn't be walking in and doing this stuff cold, and we're, we're going to make sure you don't do that. But uh, take note of what you actually did on that day for a warm-up and make sure you're repeating that the next time through. Uh, another tip I would say is to make sure you get plenty of rest between tests. If you're testing one-on-one with a coach here, it's I've made this mistake tons of times with with athletes over the years, but we just tend to want to rush through things and, okay, let's do the 15. Okay, great. Let, now let's do the vertical. Awesome. All right, over here. And then in, you know, 10 minutes, we're done. You know, and within that 10-minute window, we just put a massive demand on central nervous system without giving it the time it actually requires to recover. And recovering your central nervous system takes – much, 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 much longer than a lot of people think because it doesn't really feel, you can't feel the fatigue like you can after running a 400 on the track. It's, you're not tired after a vertical jump, but it takes a while for those, you know, phosphocreatine stores to, you know, replenish themselves so that you have all of that power available to you on your next repetition. So I would take at least three to four minutes in, in between maybe in between attempts if you have the luxury of that amount of time, but definitely between tests. Um, give yourself plenty of time to relax. Just get loose. I wouldn't do much stretching, but uh, just chill out uh, because, again, you need, you need more time than you think you do to be able to you know, perform at a high level with these high-speed tests and with these high-speed movements. Agreed.
<laughs> I got nothing. Of course, on. you agree. Yeah. Of course, you agree. It's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Um, anything else? I don't know. That's a testing. That's a big conversation. <sighs> okay, yeah. so to all you youngsters out there, I'll leave you with this just last little visual. Testing is a lot like the stock market. All right, it's up, it's down um, on any given day. But if you look at decades-long trends in the stock market, it goes up. And that's what you should be thinking about. So accumulate tests, make them as consistent as possible, ensure you're doing the right things um, consistently. And over the course of several months, over the course of a year, look back at those tests and you should see an upward trend despite a couple of you know, downward blips there. And if you're not, if it's staying stagnant or if it's going down, then ask yourself, what's up? Like, what am Are I you doing? invested in the right What stock? am I doing wrong? Because if you're not getting better over the course of a year in anything, you're doing something wrong. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. 100%. You're doing something wrong. It's a great uh, analogy. And that's really where the value of testing comes from. It's not on that particular day. It's the cumul- cumulative collection of those tests over time. Beautiful. And apply those tests, apply those capacity in your sport. Yeah. Yeah. Are we talking about TFSAs and RSPs again? Are we going to bring that into every... (laughs) We're bringing it back, baby. You kids get some financial literacy. RSPs are drained. (laughs) Drained, man. All right. Do we want to talk... What's grinding Hoff's gears this week? What's grinding my gears? I... There wasn't much that grind... Ground my gears. This is week. it grinded or ground? Gr- ground, ground beef, grinded beef, grounded. Ground. I don't know. I don't know. I ground. Didn't, I didn't. Ground didn't sounds take right. English in university nah. or anything like that. We just wrote jargon. Reading's overrated, people. Uh, overrated. What is grinding my gears? Um, nah. I Techno won't. music is grinding my gears. Techno music. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Just the EDM. Just the. I can't take any more. I know it's grinding my gears. People doing shoulder presses in the squat racks when the squat racks are full of people are waiting. Yeah, that ain't cool. That that ain't cool. That's not happening here though. No, it's not happening no. here, but it's happening at other other gyms that I've been in. So just uh, you know, for those out there who are uh, working out and uh, are in a busy facility, uh, if there's people waiting to squat in the squat racks. You do not get to shoulder press or do bicep curls in the squat racks. I know it's a, like a joke, a thing that goes around. Like don't, don't uh, curl in the squat racks. Yeah, ha ha ha! Uh, no one actually does. People, it was a real freaking thing. Do and I, do it. I legit got pissed. Like because I'm waiting there with my squat shoes on to squat, and someone had five pounds on each side of the bar doing shoulder press. Stupid. So um, if you're listening, don't do that. You know who you are. Just don't do it. Like. You saw me. Just don't do it. It's embarrassing. I know. Anyways. That would grind my gears too. Eat clean, train dirty. Cool. What would we say? Stay fit and have fun. Stay fit and have fun.